The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. All right, let me pray for us, and then uh, you, as you open up to John chapter 10 today, uh, we've got a short video, and we'll dive right in. Father God, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you open up our hearts and minds and our ears to hear your voice today. In your name we pray, amen. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life, so I may take it back no one can take my life away. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and also to take it up again. As you turn to John chapter 10, we're going to continue our journey that we began about a year ago, uh, going through the Gospel of John. Get Pastor Gary did a great job teaching from John chapter 9 last week. And when John wrote the book of John, there were no chapter breaks. Um, editors later throw those in so that we could easily flip to John 3.16, for instance. Uh, but if you are reading the story, we're in the middle of a discussion between Jesus and a bunch of Jews, uh, a group of people called the Pharisees, who were religious leaders of the day. And in John chapter 9, we saw the story unfolding of a man born blind, and Jesus healing this man. But there was another type of blindness that Jesus confronted, and it's going to continue to confront here today in our story as he paints a picture, an illustration of a shepherd and his sheepfold. Um, there was a spiritual blindness. We are the people created by God. Whether you know him or not, whether you believe in him or not, he loves you, and he made you. We were made by him, but not only did God make us, he made us for him, by him and for him, that we would find our purpose and our being in him as our Savior and as our Lord. And today we're going to see, as he is the good shepherd, that we as his flock, those of us who he has called by name, today my hope and prayer is that maybe for the first time you'll hear him call your name. Today, we're going to see in the unfolding scriptures that Jesus is leading us to believe in him. And if we believe, we will follow and not only follow, but that we will worship him. Not just with songs or an hour or two on us on a Sunday, but with every area of our life. That whether we eat or drink or sleep, all we do will be as an act of glory to God. 
the man in John chapter 9 who was blind has a transformation take place. Physically, he's healed, but spiritually, he's transformed forever. And his eyes are open, and spiritually, his heart is open, and yet those who seemingly can see are the ones that apparently are blind. Because they can't see the Savior, the shepherd, standing before them. In John chapter 9, we see a division. And every time Jesus speaks, there seems to be a division. Every time Jesus speaks, there seems to be people who either choose to go away or those who are drawn closer. In John chapter 9, we see the same thing happening. In John 9 verse 24, the Pharisees tell the healed man, don't praise this man Jesus. Instead, give glory to God. We know that this man Jesus, he's a sinner. They had no idea who Jesus was. We compare the Pharisees to the blind man, the man born blind who was healed. And he's not only healed physically, but at 938, the healed man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. This is the division that begins to take place. For the Pharisees, they saw Jesus as a raving madman. They said he must be demon-possessed. He must be insane because the things he's saying, no sane, no right person says. In In John chapter 10, verse 19 through 21, we see this division continue. Looking at the end of the passage that we'll read today first. In John 10, 19 through 21, it says this. There was again a division among the Jews because of his words. Many of them said, he is a demon and must be insane. Why should we listen to him? And yet others said, these are not the words of one oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so, like the great writer C.S. Lewis who wrote, when you hear of Jesus, when you look at Jesus, you must look at him in one of three categories. As a total liar one who just made everything up, or a raving madman, a lunatic, either a liar or a lunatic, one who some reason believed he was all that he said he was, or you must come to reality and face the fact that he's not a liar, he's not a lunatic, instead he is truly Lord. And this is the division that is happening in the crowd and may even be happening here today. My hope is that you don't fall on the side, siding with the Pharisees and siding with the spiritually blind, but that you would have heard the shepherd call your name. And you have chosen to follow. Jesus came for one reason, to die for his sheep, that he would take up his life again. And and those words themselves sound like a madman if you think about it. John 10, 17, for this reason, the Father loves me, Jesus said. I lay down my life. How many of you, if in the right circumstance, would be willing to lay down your life for somebody? There are a lot of faithful men and women throughout the years who have given up their life for somebody else, taken a bullet for someone or or put themselves in harm's way so that somebody would be saved. And some have even had the... Uh, the, the, the tragic thought of taking their own life just to escape the pains of this earth. 
Yes, it's, it's possible for us to lay down our life. We can take our own life. We can lay down our own life. There was, there's nothing wrong with saying that, but who in their right mind would say the next words? Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. You can't become undead. Jesus is speaking madness for those who don't have ears to hear and eyes to see. I've come that I may lay down my life. Jesus was not just a good example to follow. He was not just a a teacher with some good moral stories for us to model our life after. He is Lord. And he came to lay down his life, born to die, that he would take up his life again. No one takes my life from me, he says. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, but I also have the authority to take it up again. And these are the words that the Pharisees could not stand to continue to hear. And that's why instead of being drawn close to him, they look at him as if he's a madman. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. And as he does often, using stories and parables or figures of speech, Jesus draws what is common to them, meeting them where they're at, like he did with the woman at the well, I am the living water, like he did with those who were hungry in the fields, uh, I am the bread of life. Today we're going to hear him say, I am the door, and I am the good shepherd. God throughout the scriptures has been seen as a shepherd. Psalm 34, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 80 verse 1 calls God the shepherd of Israel. And in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11, God promises to bring back the Israelites who are in captivity in Babylon like a shepherd gathering his lambs to himself same time, God raised up individual human beings to be shepherds alongside him, to care for the flock. His purpose in raising up the the Jewish nation, the, the Israelites, was that they would be a shepherd to the world. But instead of leading people to the pastures of God's grace, they came up with a man-made system of religious ritual and law and and led them into bondage instead of into freedom by loading them up with the weight of man-made requirements, making them plow the fields of, 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 of barren legalism instead of finding the pastures of grace. And instead of protecting the flock and guarding them, many even chose to use the sheep for their own means even to the point of Ezekiel 34. They're condemned as religious leaders for their mistreatment of the sheep, even to the point of killing them for their wool or or for them to eat. But the prophet Ezekiel uses these words. God says that he's going to set up a once and for all ultimate shepherd who will be the shepherd of all flock. And there will be one flock. It will be his servant, David. Here's the interesting thing about the book of Ezekiel. David's already dead. So what we see is a prophecy of one who will come from the line of David. 
Jesus himself. Standing before the crowd, the sheep. Calling them by name, but some not hearing his voice. Spiritually deaf, spiritually blind. Verse 9, we see the transition into this story where Jesus uses this figure of speech. In 940, some of the Pharisees near him heard the things he was saying and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, then you would have no guilt. What he was saying is that you've had your eyes open. The, the Holy Spirit is giving you the scripture. The law has been provided for you. The law that you thought could heal you is the very thing that is showing you your need for me. The law is like an MRI. I've said this illustration. It's probably one of my favorite, and some of you are like, we've heard this one a thousand times. An MRI is good for a couple things. It can show you where in your body there's disease. But it, an MRI is powerless to cure it. A couple years ago, I went through an MRI. They found some questionable things in my, in my neck, some, some nodules, and they took my thyroid, and they found that it was cancer. The, the MRI was great at finding it, but it was powerless to cure it. I had to go through a procedure under the knife of a surgeon. I'm now on medicine. The law that these Pharisees were trying to live their lives by and using as a weight on the necks of all of the sheep that they were there to care for, if you obey these laws, you will find favor with God. No one is righteous, the scriptures tell us. No one. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you break one commandment, it's as if you've broken them all. We all stand equal at the foot of the cross. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Their eyes are blind. Jesus said, if, if, you're, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, we see. And so your guilt remains. I've stood here before you. You've had the law given to you. You are without excuse. So he tells this figure of speech, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the shepherd of the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep. By name, he leads them out. And when he has brought all of his sheep to his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. In chapter 10, we've got three parts. We've got the opening figure of speech. Jesus often taught in parables or narratives. And here he's using this story. And he's about to go a little bit deeper in the next section. And the first part, the point of the first part is that the shepherd has come to gather his sheep. That's the first thing we see in the first part of this chapter. 
he is here to gather each and every one of his sheep that he knows by name. Each and every one of you. He knows your name. Have you heard him calling? Have you heard him and have you chosen to follow? The first section is him gathering his sheep to himself. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, All that the Father has given me will come to me. Each and every one of you, before the foundation of the world, God knew you. He knew you by name. Because he created you. You were made by him and for him. And today he's here to gather even you into his sheepfold. In verse 1 through 6, he's gathering. Why is he gathering? What's the purpose of this gathering? In verse 7 through 10, he's going to tell us why. He's gathering us so that he can give us life. Not just a ho-hum, boring, meaningless life, but a life full of abundance, a life full of joy, a life full of meaning and purpose. 7 through 10, we're going to see that. And how is it possible that Jesus is able to be our shepherd and to give us life? In verses 11 through 18, we're told that he gives us life by laying down his own life. And taking it up again in power and victory over sin and death. Exchanging his life of holiness for our mess and our need for forgiveness. The good shepherd sacrifices himself for the sake of the sheep. But he didn't stay dead. What good are sheep without a shepherd? If the shepherd gives himself up, then the sheep are alone. At the dangers of the ways of this world and the wolves that are there and the cliffs, the sheep, being called a sheep is not a compliment, people. Sheep are some of the dumbest animals on the earth. They've been known to walk right off the edge of a cliff if a shepherd isn't there to guide them to another place. There can be a patch of grass over here, and they will stay over here on barren ground and not find the food unless there's a shepherd to guide them. They are defenseless animals, unable to protect themselves from predators. And the Bible calls us sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray to our own way. But God has sent a shepherd to call us by name. Let's dive in and pull this apart a little bit more. There is one true shepherd, and these Pharisees thought that they were the ones to be the shepherd of the flock. They thought they were the ones to lead the nation of Israel into the, to, to the promises of God. But They were just hired hands, caring more for themselves and their own needs, running away whenever danger came, and using the sheep for their own benefit. But Jesus comes to gather a flock, to care for us, each by name. When the scripture tells us that the sheep hear his voice in verse 3, and he calls them each by name, he wants you to know that he is not a distant and removed God. He is a personal God who knows even the number of hairs on your head. He knows every trial. He knows every struggle. He knows every strength you have. He knows every weakness. He knows you because he made you. And he loves you. 
and he cherishes you. And today he calls you by name. One of the most beautiful pictures I see uh, on on the day of Jesus' resurrection, when Jesus went to the cross, he died in our place, and he rose again. The woman who came to find him, Mary was there, and she looked inside the tomb, and he was gone. But a voice came from behind her. She turned around, seeing Jesus, although thinking it was the gardener, said, where have you brought my Savior? And she had no idea it was him until he said what? Her name. Today, some of you, you may not know Jesus coming into this building. Sure, you may have heard of some religious guy. You've seen a picture of this pasty white man with a glowing circle around his head. Yeah, you've heard of this guy, Jesus. But today, you are going to leave hearing his name, him call your name for the first time. And my hope and prayer is your eyes are open and that you see him for who he truly is, one that loves you, that knows you, that is here to be your shepherd through every trial, through every struggle, for every storm. His sheep hear his voice. He calls them by name, and he leads them out. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. Yes, he gives us the ability to choose our own way. I still make a ton of my own mistakes, but his voice is still there every day. If I listen, he is there to lead me, to guide me. And he wants to be there for you. When he has brought all of his own, he goes before them. Uh, I'm reminded of the passage in Joshua chapter 3 as the Israelites are being led out of slavery into the promised land. And they're told, don't go ahead of God. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, there was this special Ark, and God told the people, it is there when you come and pray with me, and you bring your offering there, I will meet with you. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, a representation of of Jesus who would come, when you see it get up and move, follow it, but stay behind. Don't get ahead of God. Jesus always goes before us. He's always there to lead us. And as they moved that Ark, and they stepped into the flood stage waters. They were supposed to go there, but in between them and there was this raging flooded river. And they're thinking, how in the world are we supposed to get across? But as they were obedient and walked towards that barrier, as soon as their foot touched the waters, the scriptures tell us the waters parted and they walked across on dry land. He goes before them and leads them. He doesn't promise to remove all obstacles, but he promises to be there with us in the midst of the obstacles. He promises to be with us in the midst of the storm. We were down in Puerto Rico for the past uh, week or so. There are some of our team members still there, as I mentioned earlier. And, And while we were there, we saw a ton of men and women and children in love with Jesus. We got to walk in their neighborhoods and their communities, and some of them living in shacks some of them living in homes that were devastated by the hurricanes that hit there just recently. And halfway through our stay, more earthquakes hit. Some of them losing even just their little shabby shack of a home. Homeless, now without power, without water. We were serving meals every day, over 600 meals into communities where even police and firefighters would not dare to go because of 
fear of, of, of the problems and the devastation and, 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 and the people who are, who are looting and, and, and by violence taking the things they need. And yet we were going there and we were seeing people with the joy of Jesus on their faces, even in the midst of trials and storms. Is Jesus a shepherd who is there with us even in the midst of the mess? And the sheep follow him. They know his voice. So in the first six verses, he's gathered. He is the one true shepherd. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way into the flock apart from him. And he drives his point home even further in verse 7 when Jesus speaks again. So again, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. Many times shepherds, they would build a a pen where they'd keep their sheep and there would be one way in and one way out. And many times in the absence of a door, the shepherd was the door. He'd lay himself in that space so no sheep could come or go and, and, and nothing could get in or out without going through him. This is our Christ. He is the way. He is the door. For some of you today, the very thing you need is a door. A door into his family and a door out of the mess that you find yourself in today. I am the door. And the door is not locked. The door is there waiting and willing to be opened as soon as you decide to walk through. Jesus again said, I am, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. You will be saved. You will be in his Father's hands. You will be protected. You will be guarded. He isn't promising a life of Twinkies and and, and, and twinkle toes. He's promising, though, to be with you through everything, through every trial, through every hardship, through every storm. I am the door. If anyone enters, they will be saved. This word saved is not just from physical problems and trials and struggles. Ultimately, you will be saved from eternal separation. There is a place called hell. One day, as it is appointed unto all human beings, we will die. And what happens to us after our death, whether we are eternally with God or eternally apart from Him in a place of separation called hell, depends solely on who we believe Jesus is. There is not a door labeled good deeds. There is not a door labeled self-righteousness. There is no other way into salvation, into the family of God, apart from Jesus. He is the door. And if we enter through him, we will be saved. 
Today is the day of salvation. If you hear him calling your name, don't ignore his voice. Obey him and follow, and he will lead you into pastures. That's the next part. They will not only be saved, read along with me. He will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus did not just come to give you a boring, meaningless life. You were made by him and for him. He created you with a purpose and a passion and a plan. Each and every one of you are his handiwork. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows you by name. He knows every strength he's given you. He knows every talent he's equipped you with. And he has called you. And he wants to use you to bring joy and blessing to others, to glorify him in everything you do. Have you heard him call your name? He will lead you in and out. Sheep just don't stay kept up in the pen. The shepherd's got to lead them through different fields, and there are different fields everywhere you eat, study, play, shop. Everywhere you go to school, these are the fields and the pastures that the shepherd wants to lead you through, and he wants to use you to reach others. Look at verse 16 with me. And I have other sheep that are not yet of this fold. There are other sheep out there who have not yet heard his voice. And as he leads you, you will rub shoulders, you will rub elbows, you will bump into, you will have car rides with, you will be served coffee by other sheep who have not yet heard his voice. And he wants to lead you in and out of the flock so that you can be an instrument in his hands, helping lead others to know him as the good shepherd. The thief comes in only to steal, to kill, and destroy. And and the thief has some crafty ways. The things you think you need, the things that we think that will give us happiness and wholeness and make us feel complete. The things of this world. We store up treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy. They will simply fade away and leave us unfulfilled. Only Jesus can truly satisfy. thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, to give life abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and and not a shepherd and does not own the sheep, they see a wolf coming and they leave. And the sheep flee. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I, Jesus, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and and my own know me. Do you know him? Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not yet of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is the reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up. This is the commandment I have received from the Father, that I would lay down my life for you. 
and that I would pick up my life again and exchange my life of holiness for your life of brokenness. Jesus has come to forgive us, to heal us, to save us, to lead us, to guide us, to give us life full of meaning, life full of purpose, and life full of joy. Have you heard him call your voice? Have you heard his voice? Have you heard him call your name? The blind man was healed. But when he was truly healed is when the moment that he believed and worshipped the Lord Jesus as his shepherd. Father God, I'm the first one to admit that I need a shepherd. Lord Jesus, you know my areas of weakness. You know the areas where I struggle. You know the areas where I'm strong. You know when I'm tired. You know when I need to eat. You care for each and every one of us. You know us each by name. So Father God, I pray for whoever may be in this room today. As you have come to gather your sheep unto yourself. As you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, are speaking the names of those sitting in this room today. I pray that they would hear your voice. And that they would believe and follow after you. And that that belief would result in worship of you. So if you're here today and you would say, Pastor John. want to hear Jesus' voice. I think I hear him calling my name. And I beg you, chase after the Father. Chase after the Savior. Chase after the Shepherd. He loves you. He laid down his life for you. He took your sin and mine upon himself. He died on the cross, allowing his body to be broken and his blood to be shed for the forgiveness of our sins, that if any of us would believe in him and receive him as Savior and Lord, we would become children of God. Today you can believe in him and be changed forever. He's calling your name. You would say, Pastor John, I hear him calling my name. I want to give my heart to him. I want to give my life to him right now today. Would you just across this room raise your hand and say, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I want to trust him as my shepherd. Would you raise your hand if that's you today? I'm looking out so I can see you, so I can be praying for you. Today, I give my heart to Jesus. I hear him calling my name. I want him to be my shepherd. I don't want to walk in my own pastures anymore. I don't want to walk chasing, trying to figure out life on my own. I need a shepherd in my life. Today, I give my heart to Jesus. Is that you? Raise your hand so I can pray for you. Raise your hand today. Father God, I thank you for those in this room who are hearing your voice. I pray that you would come and you would meet them here in this moment. That you as the gentle shepherd, for those who need to be picked up right now because we're stuck in a thicket, I pray your holy heavenly hands of the Holy Spirit would wrap yourself around us and pick us up and set us on our feet and now show us how to walk in the pathway with you. Father God, I pray for those who are struggling right now with the circumstances and situations that have been wondering, where is my good shepherd? 
I feel like I'm struggling alone. Let them know today that, Jesus, you are here with them, even in the midst of this struggle, with those in Puerto Rico who are suffering, with those who are across the street suffering. Jesus, you are here. Let us see you. Let us hear your voice. Renew our strength. Let us see the power of your Holy Spirit, even in the midst of the circumstance and the situation, and show us how you are moving and forming us and shaping us, even through that trial and storm. As fire refines gold, we are to be refined by your loving hands, even in the midst of our suffering. Father God, I pray for those in this room who know you by name, who have heard you call their name. We who know we're a part of your family, we are sheep that are a part of your flock. Help us to realize and have our eyes open to the sheep of chapter 16 who have not yet heard your voice, who are not yet of your fold. As we are led in and out of the flock, of of the sheep fold, as we go in and out to our, our, our schools, our places of employment, wherever we pick up our local coffee, on our sports teams, uh, even in our neighbors' homes. Help us to lead those lost sheep back to you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for you laying down your life for us. Help us to follow you, we pray. As our worship team leads us in a time of response and closing this morning, Let us continue to reflect on the things we've heard this morning. And I pray that if you heard God speaking to you, if you heard his voice, that you would obey. A number of us from the church will be at the front uh, in a moment, willing to pray with those of you who, who maybe heard God call your name today. We'd love to pray with you and lift you up as you enter into the family of God. And if you're struggling, uh, we're called to pray for one another. I invite you to come forward during this time of worship and response and to seek us out to pray. We also remember that this is only all possible because of what Jesus did for us in laying down his life and then taking it back up again by allowing his body to be broken and his blood to be shed. We remember that each week in the four corners of this room. We have a table where we have a communion element. On the night that Jesus was arrested, he took bread and he broke it. He said, as often as you eat of this bread, remember my body broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, as often as you drink of this cup, remember my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you can until we are together again. So we invite you to make your way to one of the four corners to, as an act of worship, remember what Christ did for us. On those tables, we also have offering baskets for us to continue to be faithful and giving back to God are the blessings he's poured into our life. So now I just encourage you to respond as the Holy Spirit leads. Come forward for prayer. Respond and take the communion. Worship along with the worship team. But more than anything, listen for the voice of God. Follow where he's leading. God, move in our midst now, I pray in your name. Amen.